brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Rocks Pile Podcast, part of Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling. And welcome into the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. I am Noah Yingling, one of the co-experts of Rocks Pile. And as always, I am joined by my friend and fellow co-expert, Kevin Henry, who isn't traveling right this second. But, you know, he's always traveling because he just came from Texas and then he's going to be out of town here in a few days. So you yeah. have to catch him when he's available. Well, and uh, flew back from Texas this morning uh, after a nice little two-game mini-sweep of the Rangers there at Globe Life Field in Arlington. And how many road wins did the Rockies have? Uh, that would be two out of two, my friend. And how many, uh, how many games did it take them to get to two road wins last year? I think it was 15. Is that right? I believe so. Yeah, <laughs> I believe so. So, you know, and, and so that was a conversation. There was a lot of that in Texas about this year versus last year. And Bud kind of just put like a squash on it. He's like, you know, we have so many different faces this year. He yeah. said, don't compare this year to last year. It's a different team, everything else. But absolutely, that's the thing to think about is how this team started on the road last year versus this year. And, you know, Noah, you were in the clubhouse last year. You kind of saw the, the – Well, fires. in the dugout slash on the field. Because, yeah. of course, no clubhouse. That's true. That's true. On the That's a good way to put it. Because, But you still saw the interactions. Yeah. And this year, it's – in my opinion, there's a different feel to it. Uh, it. There's a better feel to it. And I, and I can't pinpoint it. I'm not going to say who, what, where. But it seems like a team that last year was so uptight whenever yeah. things wouldn't go right. This year, they're very loose, I think, is how C.J. Crone uh, tabbed it. Now, I do have to ask you, I was at Globe Life Field last year. Yep. Enjoyed it. Yep. Could not access the clubhouse, though, because right. they just opened up the clubhouse access this year. How did you like the stadium? Uh, I liked the stadium a lot. Uh, I did not get to walk around. Unfortunately, I was going to, and then a couple things came up that I needed to write. Uh, that darn uh, Randall Gritchick uh, catch uh, kept me from walking around as I had planned. Uh, so <laughs> some stories came out of that. But the visiting locker room, I will say, uh, is better than most visiting locker rooms you will go into. Uh, it was actually a little more spacious. Uh, they had some really uh, nice, you know, and, and this sounds silly, but you've been in enough visiting clubhouses as well to know that 
some places have ratty couches and they don't they don't kind of make it welcoming for a good reason. Yeah. Uh, Texas was not that way. It was it was pretty nice, I will say. Well, and I mean, I was one thing with Chris Bryant. He said at the All-Star game when he was there as an uh, he was there on the home side um, since he was an NL player. But obviously yeah. he hadn't been there as a Rockies player, so he'd never been in the home clubhouse. And he's like, wow, this is the nicest clubhouse I've ever seen. I, I did want to get into the Rangers clubhouse. I never got the chance to just because they had some really funky opening hours over there. They were open much earlier uh, than I anticipated. Hmm. Uh, yeah. And it was, it was interesting, but uh, you, I think you've been, no, maybe you haven't uh, in the visiting clubhouse at Coors field. I, uh, I will tell you the one in Texas is so much nicer than the one at Coors uh, more spacious, everything else. But you're talking about a ballpark that opened in 1995 versus a ballpark that opened in 2020. Makes yeah. a difference. And as we've mentioned before, Coors Field is the third oldest stadium in the National yeah. League. And, and if you go to Dodger Stadium and go in the visiting clubhouse, it's cramped. It's horrible. I mean, I, I'm just going to tell you. But again, Dodger Stadium, second oldest stadium. Wrigley yeah. Field's visiting clubhouse. Uh, it's a shoebox. But guess what? And that, now, I do have to say they have updated it some there at Wrigley. Yeah. But, I mean, it really couldn't have been worse than it was before. Oh, absolutely. I mean, any upgrade <laughs> helps, but still, it's not. Yeah, Wrigley, you know, stadiums show their age in more ways than what the fans see. Yeah. And, and I think uh, Globe Life Field is a really nice ballpark. I will tell you, you know, and you and I talked a little bit about this uh, in some tweets and texts and things like that. Uh, the Rangers are not the team that looks like they spent a lot of money in the offseason. Oh, they're, they're an yeah. atrocious team. Yeah. And they are atrocious. And the problem yeah. is, and we, we've talked about this, how many times I'm called to the pen? Okay, you spent money on Seager. You spent money on Simeon. Yep. That'll help because your offense was garbage last year. But your ace is John Gray. One, that's a problem. Yep. Two, John Gray, as much as Rockies fans loved him and as much as he pitched well at Coors Field. In fact, I, I said this uh, either during the season or during the offseason, right before he signed. My problem with him signing with the Rockies, if he signed with the Rockies, he is before he before this year, he had played seven years in the major leagues. How many times has he made 30 plus starts in a year? Right. Once. Yep. And that year still, he made a few starts down in Albuquerque because the Rockies thought he was so bad. That was in 2018. So that tells you right there, health issues. And guess what? He's already on the injured list. Yep. Yeah. And. You know, the thing is that I, there was one part last night where I was sitting in the press box at, at Globe Life and which, again, is, you know, at I think it's about as high as a 14 or here in Colorado. Uh, but <laughs> it's know, not I, as high as Pittsburgh or Washington. Though. It, it's not, you know, I, and, and that's one thing we were <laughs> discussing last night. Washington's still the highest of the whole bunch, no doubt. But I looked over the, the scoreboard and I believe through seven innings, the Rangers had had two hits. Yeah. And that was against Chad Cool. Now, nothing against Chad Cool, but that's also Colorado's fifth starter. 
Yeah, it's not like you're throwing Bob Gibson out there. Right. I mean, and, Chad and Cool. Thought, yeah, <laughs> Chad Cool. And, and again, had Grichik not made that catch, it's a completely different ballgame. Completely yeah. different. But, you know, that, that just seemed to be such a momentum swing on both sides. But the, the, there was never a point. Granted, Willie Calhoun had the late home run against Daniel Bard the other night, but he was one for 10 after that. That was his first hit of the season. Yeah. You know, so there was never a point that you're like, oh boy, this Rangers offense is getting ready to explode here. They just don't have that in their lineup. I, yeah. I don't see that they're going to be a very improved team now that I've actually seen them play twice. Well, and the thing is, okay, you got Simeon and Seeger at the top. Mitch Garver, I mean, he, he's a good hitting catcher, but yeah. I mean, is he, on a good team, he's not your third hitter. No. Adolis Garcia, okay, he had a good year last year as a rookie. Yep. But is he going to be the same? And then after that, I mean, Nathaniel Lowe, okay, maybe he'll, he, with Tampa and Texas now, he's hit fairly well. But after that, you're like, huh? Who? Well, what? And, <laughs> and, and if you look back, one of the things that Texas promoted so much was we signed Cole Calhoun. Yeah. And I'm just like, oof. He's, he's Cole Calhoun. Yeah. So Pipe down. <laughs> all right. So there's the Texas side of things. But but let's do give props to the Rockies because I thought in Texas and really the first turn through the rotation, it's been a pretty solid thing. And the bullpen has been really, really good. And I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I remember seeing it on Twitter. The Rockies have the best bullpen ERA in the sport right now. Yeah. Or at, at least at least through Tuesday it it was. I've, I've obviously games being played today. Rockies have an off day that could change. But obviously it's only 5 games, but hey, it's a start. <laughs> yeah, and, and and I know people are so quick to say, "Oh, it's a small sample size." And you know what it absolutely is. There's no question about that. But it's also something that you go, "Okay, Here's where we are right now. Is yeah. is it better than it was last year? Absolutely. Yeah. Now, granted, we all remember 2020, this team started out on fire and collapsed. So nobody's printing the, the ticker tape, uh, you know, to throw out on 20th and Blake for the World Series parade yet. But I do know that there's a lot of things that are better about this team, at least at first glance right now, than were this time last year. Yeah, and case in point, look at the offense. I mean, the Rockies offense, when was the last time we could say, hey, this team has an offense that might, keyword is might, it's only been five games, might be enough to be a competitive team. Yeah, I I think it's it's worth at least considering the, the fact that it could happen. And it's being recognized nationally, too. In fact, I multiple shows on MLB Network yesterday, they were talking about the Rockies, and they were talking about the Gritchick catch, but they were talking about the first game as well with the, um, with the uh, call that ended the game, the Chase Utley oh, yeah, slide yeah, yeah. rule. Yep. But they said with the Rockies, they, they showed the lineup, and they were like, wow, that's – that's a sneaky good lineup. And I mean, at least so far, they're fourth in batting average. 
They are eighth and on base percentage. They are seventh in slugging. So OPS is 766, which is not great, but to start the year, that's fourth. OPS plus, which is, I think, more important, and you are at 123. Now, is that going to last the whole year? No. Of course not. But if you can be around the league average in that, because I, and we've discussed this before too, I think that the uh, adjusted park metrics are a little bit harsher on the Rockies than is actually reality. But if you can be at 100, the Rockies have only been above at or above 100, I believe, in three seasons in their team history. In all three seasons, they made the postseason. Yeah. And, you know, and you look at this lineup, let's not forget Charlie Blackman has not started off well. Brandon He's Rogers. Been, I mean, well. Charlie yeah. Blackman in general. And we yeah. had Aaron Hurt on the site write about it. Atrocious defensively atrocious at the plate too i mean uh, granted as we've said only five games he has looked terrible at the plate he's looked terrible in general he has you know but but on the flip side you know at this point early so is brendan rogers at the plate too and and that's not a good sign for this team now again small sample size you know let's see what happens during this homestand with the cubs and the phillies coming in but i think that if you look at if we're still talking about that a week or two from now, I think that that's a concern, especially with Rogers. And I would, I would arguably say with Blackman too, because you have so many outfielders. Yeah. That now, I should say with with Blackman as well. If okay, they give him a day off or or two here in the next week, and you see Sam Hilliard play more, or Jonathan Daza play more. And they start hitting well, that could be trouble for Charlie Blackman. It could. It could. And and I don't think Bud is ever going to bench Charlie for extended periods of time. But I certainly think that Bud is also going to do what's best for the team. Yeah. And you're exactly right. If Gritchick and Bryant are doing what they're doing, and you get a Hilliard or a Daza, or, you know, let's go crazy and even say a Garrett Hampson. Uh, you know, and, and can work him into center field. You move Gritchick over to right. It's possible. For sure. By the way, now this is the thing with we've, and we've talked about this before too, the eye test and the defensive number. Sometimes they don't line up case in point was last year, Ryan El He had like seven defensive runs saved. And if you watched his game, you didn't think he had seven defensive runs saved, but can you guess who is tied for the lead? In defensive runs saved on the Rockies this year. Just on the Rockies? Yep. Tied. Uh, Tied at one. There's four players with one. <laughs> All right. I'll go get I'll go Hampson just because we were talking about it. No. Okay. Ryan McMahon, which I would expect. Yep. Sam Hilliard, which I I kind of wouldn't expect considering he's played a third of the playing time as, right. as the others. Randall Gritchick is yep. there when yep. Which, who knows? It might be on that play that he he yep. saved a home run, but Charlie Blackman is there. For me, I and it wasn't just the one play on opening day. There's been a few other times where I've been like, 
Okay, didn't have the best read on that. But he has one defensive run saved. It's a weird That's baseball. I'm gonna be honest with you. It's a weird metric. That's baseball. It is. (laughs) It is. All right. And when we get back from the break, let's talk more baseball. Let's talk about what's coming up this week. Cubs, Phillies. Rockies are on a high. Are they going to keep it up at altitude? We'll talk about that after the break here on the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. And we are back on the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. Kevin Henry alongside Noah Yingling. We are the co-experts at Rocks Pile. Noah, it was a very short road trip. Two games, obviously, coming off a a three-game series that the Rockies won, by the way, against the Dodgers. Now the Cubs come into town. Now the Phillies come into town. I'm looking at this as a real interesting homestand because when the season began, we talked about if the Rockies are going to make that last playoff spot, these could be a couple of teams that they're battling for that position. With the Cubs, I will be really interested to see how their offense is. Yeah. Because they have their outfield is hitting really well. Ian Happ is hitting 700 right now. And that, that was entering Wednesday. Jason Hayward is hitting 375. And Seiya Suzuki is hitting 417 with a 1696 OPS. He already has three homers. He's the real deal. But outside, and even their bench outfielders slash DH players, which they're very much like the Rockies and that they have a lot of outfielders. So they are, uh, they're essentially mixing and matching them between the outfield and the DH. But their infield, nobody is hitting right now. No. Uh, they, second base and third base, Nick Madrigal and Patrick Wisdom are hitting 067 and 077. Frank Schwindel, their first baseman and shortstop, Nico Horner, are hitting 214. None of them have an OPS above 650. Yeah. And and again, early, but that's that's not a good sign, especially for wisdom, let's be honest, because he is a guy that, you know, even was in the rookie of the year conversation last year a little bit. Sophomore yeah. slump, I would say. Now with their starting rotation, they they have some injuries there, like the Rockies have some pitching injuries as well, but none of their starters have gone fewer than five innings and none of their starters have given up more than one run. So that will be interesting to see. And how excited are we about the return of Marcus Stroman to Coors field, sir? That is a poo poo take. We are ready for the Marcus Stroman experience to come back to course this week. Now I do have to say with Stroman too, especially looking this uh, during the lockout at uh, the, the pitchers that should pitch well at Coors field with the low fastball spin rate, high ground ball rate, Marcus Stroman falls into that category. Mm -hmm. Just imagine if he was with the Rockies complete, completely different personality, personality than, Anybody on the team? Oh, by far, absolutely, no question. About because it. I mean, how many how many Rockies players are on social media? Not many. No. How many are active on social media? Even fewer. And then you got Marcus Stroman. <laughs> Stroman would be a, a whole different animal. There's no question about it. By the way, as we're re- recording this, Clayton Kershaw's combined perfect game has been broken up against the Twins, and. Yeah. 
I told you as soon as right before we came on that it would be broken up in the eighth inning. Yep. Sure enough. Lot, yep. Lots of folks uh, tweeting about it, it seems, including some national B- MLB writers. So there Who you go. seem to jinx everything. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it'd be great that we can do this podcast and actually have baseball on in the background and, and talk about you know what else is going on. Um, well, and I, I think I told you this. It was this was the Wednesday because the lockout ended on Thursday. It was Wednesday night. I was talking with a few of my friends and I was like, I'm out of ideas. <laughs> I don't know what to write about anymore. And then the lockout ended the next day. Like, you. thank God. Thank God is right. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, I'm watching some of the highlights of the Red Sox. Tigers game right now in Detroit. Looks like a miserably cold day in Detroit. Oh, and that's uh, the thing with the Rockies are going to be there next weekend. And it it will be one of two things. It will either be snowing or it will be 80 degrees. Yeah. There is no middle ground for us in the Midwest. Well, can I just say that and and I hope that uh, we're not going to have to put an explicit warning on the podcast when I say this, but Trevor Story, former Rockies shortstop, just hit a bloop single in to give the Red Sox their seventh run of the day. So Story is still producing tacos, even though they're, you know, probably pronounced a little differently where he is now versus. And without an apostrophe. Exactly. (laughs) So, you know, let's let's talk a little bit because I view this homestand as a measuring stick. And I know it's early, yeah. but still, I think if the Rockies are going to do well, they've got to do well at home. We know that we know the red struggles are going to happen. We know that, uh, but they're coming off a day off. It's the second turn through the rotation. The bullpen's doing well, as we discussed before. Uh, Bryant is hitting. Of course, you're going to see all the whole uh, Bryant and the Cubs uh, reunion photos and stories. So get ready for that this week. There is a ton of Chicago media coming to Coors Field. Uh, so get ready for a lot of attention. Uh, you know, and I do think that there are going to be some folks around the country that pay attention to this, not just because Suzuki and the Bryant connection and everything else, but I think they're going to be looking at, are the Rockies the real deal here? And I, th- I think part of that will come with, obviously with the Cubs, but the Phillies as well, which I, I find it very interesting all the scheduling that they do and all that. And by April 28th, the Rockies will not see the Phillies again, unless they see them in the postseason. But yeah, done after April 28th, off you go. (laughs) Meanwhile, the Cubs, they will see them again in Chicago in September. Yes. So, which I think is about as long a stretch as they've got between uh, opponents this year, which is crazy. Yeah. And then, so that homestand, and we've said this before too, and it's the old baseball adage. You can't win pennants in April, but you sure can lose them. Amen. And that's, that's the point where the Rockies are right now. Where okay. Can in the seven game homestand, can you go five and two? Yeah. Even four and three. You know, and, and you and I talked about on a previous podcast how the opening schedule set up pretty well for the Rockies. Yeah. Now, so so far they've taken advantage of it. It's five games in, but 
can they keep that going with this homestand and then the Detroit Philly swing that pretty much puts you at the end of April? Yeah. And the next homestand after that, it's Cincinnati and Washington. Yeah. Now, like the 27 Yankees are coming into town. So yeah. that's and then you got Arizona after that. Yeah. And and for those who thought Arizona was going to be an improved team this year, yeah. oof, so far I mean, they've not shown that. Well, and the thing is, I mean, they could be improved and still be a hundred and nine loss team. Yeah. <laughs> Which it's is a small really, steps, really yeah, bad right? team. Yeah. Oh I mean, that's that's unwatchable territory. I and I mean, they're starting to hit now. I mean, considering the first two games. And the first six innings of the first two games, they literally hit nothing. Zero point zero zero zero. No hits. (laughs) I mean, you you really couldn't be worse. But I mean, so they are starting to get a little bit better. But I mean, they have three guys total on their team with an OPS above 100. And they have four guys above 34. That's not a recipe to win games. That's not going to do well. I'm just going to be honest. The pitching staff has actually not been atrocious. They've got a 360 ERA, which is right in the middle of the National League. That's seventh in the NL. But if you can't hit it, how many times did the Rockies do this last year? I was just going to say, it sounds familiar, actually, to Rockies fans. Yeah. If you shut out 16 times, you're going to go 0-16 in those games. I hate to break it to you. Yep. That's going to make it tough. Great so, pitching does beat great hitting, but you still do have to hit. <laughs> so, so I've got to ask you, you mentioned five and two a minute ago on the homestand. If the Rockies win this homestand, is it considered a success? I mean, on the surface, I'd say yes, but are we already setting the bar higher for these Rockies knowing how they've started the season? I, personally, I would, I would say four and three would be borderline. Okay. Five and three, uh, five and three, five and two would be a successful homestand because how did they play last year at home? I mean, they went 48 and 33 at home. That's a 593 winning percentage with all sorts of walk offs in there. Let's not forget that. And then, yeah, and that's true. But 593 winning percentage, that's equivalent to a 96 win team. Yeah. So, I mean, and they still only won 74 games last year. Now, they will be better on the road because I say that because you really can't be worse than they were on the road. I agree. But essentially, they were the Diamondbacks on the road. They had a 325 winning percentage. So that's that's roughly 109, 110 lost team. <laughs> so that's the that's the thing where, OK, or no, we know we're going to be better on the road should be better on the road but at home you still have to be playing at that 550 600 clip yeah because the rockies are going to have an issue on the road whether it's in june or whether it's now or whether it's in september there's going to be some time where they're going to slip up on the road i agree and and i think you've got to not only you know work ahead with this April schedule and early May, as we've talked about, but also, like you said, protect home, 
Make sure that you're winning at home for when those road moments happen. We know, you know, the trip to Miami is always a nightmare. The trip to St. Louis is always a nightmare. Yep. You know, there th- we will have the, the trips to Dodger Stadium will yep. be atrocious. Yep. The trips so to a- to- AT&T, Oracle, SBC, Pac Bell, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> so you've got to win now and win at home. And and again, you've got a rotation that gives you that chance a bullpen that dare I say on the surface, at least at the moment gives the impression that they could make that happen. Yes. So who knows? And if they do get to the playoffs, that's baseball. That's baseball. I will say (laughs) those, those of you, you know, who took the over on the, the preseason bet with the Rockies wins, you're probably feeling pretty good right now. Yeah. Now, long ways to go. Long ways to go. But uh, on the surface, this team looks better when you're around them, feels different. Uh, you know, and, and I think that you can't discount either one of those things, even eye test wise. Well, I mean, even with the people that took the over in 2019, through June 2nd, that team was actually a good team. And even, even I would say until I remember specifically, it was, I think it was June 20th against the Diamondbacks. And then uh, they swept the Diamondback series in 2019. Then they went to Dodger Stadium. And in fact, yeah, as I'm looking it up, yeah, through the first 74 games in 2019, they were 40 and 34. Yep. Coming off of two straight playoff years. I had to feel confident at that time that okay, they're they're at least going to be in the playoff hunt, and then it all fell apart after that. It did. And twenty twenty again started out so hot. The, those first fifteen games, oh my god! And then, yeah, yeah. The first twenty nineteen, they went thirty one and fifty seven in their final eighty eight games, and that's including sweeping. The Milwaukee Brewers to end the season. Oh, that, that was the uh, Sam Hilliard, Josh Hader moment at Coors. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we have some fun with our friends from reviewing the brew whenever we talk about that series still. <laughs> and just look, just look at the pitchers who pitched in that series. Let, let's hop back in the time machine. All right. Senzatella. Okay. James Pazos. Ah. Joe Harvey. Jairo Diaz, Chichi Gonzalez, Yancy Almonte, Phil Deal, DJ Johnson, Jeff Hoffman, Sam Howard, Jesus Tinoco, Wes Parsons, Brian Shaw. Wow. One of those pitchers is still on the team. For the entire series? That was the entire series, yeah. I, I think you just found an article right there. (laughs) seriously that's incredible i mean wow and and again i think you would take this year's pitching over that oh god yes oh god so so, you know for those who go well they're not any better than they were there's a perfect example of oh tell me they're not better yeah tell me this isn't better i mean in general if you look at the last month of starting pitchers they had Reminder, John Gray was out with injury. Yep. 
you didn't have Gomber at the time because Arenado was still on the team. You look at the starters, Hoffman, Lambert, Chi-Chi, Senzatella, Melville, and you've got Melville experience. Kyle Freeland made one start and that's it. Oh no, sorry, two starts. So yeah, it was Senzatella, Melville, Hoffman, Lambert, Chi-Chi. That's an awful rotation. Rotation. I gotta think back where Marquez was during that time. I gotta think back to that. I guess he was he was, I believe he was injured at the time. Yeah, I'm just trying to remember what it was. I know he was fighting dehydration and all that stuff that season. So maybe he was part of it. Well, interesting. Yeah, he he did not pitch after August 22nd. Man. Well, better days ahead, right? Yeah, better days ahead. Before we so, leave, though, I do want to ask you. Yeah. As I told you before we started the podcast what my opinions were, and I will offer them for the public here in a moment. Dodger, or Dodgers. It's drama, so it's usually the Dodgers. But yeah. um, Padres, Giants. Yeah. What is, what is your opinion on that whole situation of breaking the unwritten rules of baseball? You know, the, the whole bunt, uh, I know, is what you're talking about. And I think, in my opinion, it's when the bunt happened. Granted, they were up by a considerable margin. Correct me if I'm wrong, nine runs, I believe, in the sixth inning. Uh, it was at least nine runs, yeah. if not more. So I have seen, you have seen, we've all seen leads that evaporate. If that had happened in the eighth inning or later, okay. Maybe you don't do it then. But if it's in the sixth inning and you're telling people to pull pump the brakes, I just don't see that. I think that there's still a lot of baseball left to play, especially this early in the season when you don't really know how your relievers are going to do. And, you know, you may have to use multiple pitchers in there. So I, I don't see that it broke unwritten rules. What about you? Well, first off, the score was 11 to 2 at the time. Okay. So, so it was 9 run. Nine run relief. Yep. I think – we talk about in baseball vernacular, there's always a lot of different words for uh, different things that m- people might not understand. I think this is a classic case of eyewash. It is the biggest scam, the unwritten rules of baseball. They're un- well, first off, they're unwritten for a reason because they're garbage. And two, if you don't want to be shown up, play better. Right. If you don't want somebody stealing a base or bunting against you or getting a hit against you when you're losing 13 to two, as they ended up losing the game, play better. Don't be yeah. losing uh 10 to one after two innings pitch better. It's not that I, hard. I, I, <laughs> I agree with you. Playing baseball is not easy. Giving up 10 runs to the giants at Oracle park. That's, that's actually harder to do than actually, not giving up 10 runs. (laughs) That's pretty damn difficult to do. You have to be pretty bad to do that. Yeah. So guess what? If if you have a problem with it, play better. Shut the hell up and play better. (laughs) That's just it. I think, I think of all the things that we have to worry about in this game, it's not that because ultimately it didn't impact the score of the game. And no. again, it's early enough in the game that I still think you're doing strategy. You're still doing all these things. Are you telling me that the, the, the Padres stopped trying to figure out how to bring in certain pitchers 
to, yeah. to stop the bleeding? They stop their strategy on their side? No. And I would take it even a step further. I don't care if you do it in the ninth inning. Because guess what? If you go through five pitchers in the ninth inning, that impacts tomorrow's game. Again, it's true. If you, if you don't want to have that uh, be a problem, play better. Shut the hell up and play better. It's as simple as that. <laughs> it's look, not hard. <laughs> and ironically, as we record this, here's the Giants Padres. It just popped up on my screen for the day game today. You know? Now, I do have to say, on the other hand, if with that stuff happening, and like if it's a 20 to nothing game and you're bunching in the first uh, in the ninth inning and you're stealing second base, don't be surprised if your guy gets hit in the rib. Absolutely. I, I agree with that completely. And, and that's and the thing. I, uh, okay, you're you're willing to do that, but accept the consequences. But there's also a, that's a whole different thing in the yeah. ninth versus the sixth. At least I think so. Which yeah, and I I in a way I understand that, but also too, like I said, yeah, it, if you go through five pitchers in the ninth inning, that impacts tomorrow's game. That impacts the the day after that. Really, for the Padres, if that were to, if that had happened, that impacts them for the next week, because it's not like they have a great rotation right now as it is. Part of it is because they're injured. Blake Snell's on the injured list. Mike Clevenger, uh, both of them are always on the injured list. But um, in general, I mean, okay, you Darvish pitched well in his first game, but as we mentioned earlier, he was facing the Diamondbacks. It's they're not a good team. <laughs> So, okay, you have these other guys and in the bullpen where you could be going through them and then they have to make moves to go down to AAA. Sure, absolutely. Nope, I get that completely. And and I think that it's one of those things that we've we've got to say at some point, okay, really, is there how much of the integrity of the game did we lose? I, I was telling you, when I was in Texas, I overheard some of their uh, TV broadcasters talking about the Chase Utley slide that ended the game, yeah. uh, you know, and how they said, oh, this is a black eye on the sport that it ended like that. And I'm like, you know, if we're really worried about that, that was the black eye on the sport, then I think we're really getting a little too granular with what's hurting the sport and what isn't here. And I can tell you right now, that's not hurting as, the sport as much as their marketing department. Uh-huh. Well, and, and <laughs> that's here's a story for another day. That's another day. All right. And let me just wrap a little bow on it here because you mentioned 2019. We talk about the Padres. The thing that I will go to my deathbed about is that the Father's Day series at Coors Field, Rockies Padres, when they used all the pitchers, all the runs scored that year, everything else. That made a difference in that team's complete collapse moving forward. Absolutely. And that's the thing. Okay. You get, it wasn't 12 nothing, but if it was 12 nothing, it impacts that week. It can impact, it can impact a pitcher's psyche for the rest of their career. We saw it with uh, 2017 Astros. Now, granted, they were cheating, but Mike Bolsinger, he ended up suing the Astros because. He uh, his final game he ever pitched in his career at the major league level, he faced the Astros, and he just got absolutely bombed to hell. I mean that impacted the rest of his livelihood. Sure, sure, makes sense. And that's the thing, especially if you aren't cheating. Pitch better. 
pitch better. You it's know, really not that hard to not give up 10 runs in two innings. And the first two innings of a game in San Francisco against the Giants. Well, it's really not the, hard. The Rockies have pitched better so far. We'll see how it does. We will be at Coors Field all homestand. Uh, we will be reporting live from there. Make sure you check us out. Rockspile.com. Uh, as well as Noah and I will be lending our thoughts on all things baseball over calltothepen.com. So make sure you check that out. And we will also be on the next two uh, at the next two road series as well, as well as three of the next four. We will. We, as it turns out, we enjoy traveling with team. And this year it's really cool. And I, and I'm just going to say this. Kudos to the Rockies PR department because since the 2020 season, they have put together so many Zooms home and away with players. This year, they're not doing road Zooms. If you're not on the road, you don't talk to Bud Black. You don't talk to the players. So that's one of the reasons why it's important for us to travel is that we can bring you what goes on behind the scenes and in the clubhouse, whether it's Texas, Detroit, Philadelphia, wherever. And really the only person outside of Colorado that the Zooms benefited was me. <laughs> I just said, well, you know, and, and again, kudos to them for doing that. But I can tell you the players and the PR department are very glad the days of Zoom are at least behind us. And I am too. Amen. Amen, brother. All right. Well, I think we have covered it. Looking forward to seeing what the week holds ahead, Noah. And as you like to say, As we will always end the podcast, go Rockies.